At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. If you'll turn with me to Proverbs chapter 8, and what a glorious time we have been having in this study of the Word of God. We are so blessed. Amen. I want us to pick up with verse 22. Verse 22 in Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22 reads like this. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the, found the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Amen. Now, you understand that the book of Proverbs is speaking to us about the matter of wisdom. The matter of wisdom. Uh, Jewel, uh, holler at me right after the benediction because I'm going to call and speak to your mother today. I meant to do it yesterday. I just want to call and let her know that she's on pastor's mind and I'm covering her in my prayers. Amen. We understand that the book of Proverbs is speaking to us about God's wisdom and that God wants us to live with godly wisdom and don't make the mistake of thinking that we can make it in life on our mere intellect. We need God. Come on, look at somebody tell them, I need God. Yeah, I need God. And I need him every day and I need him every step of the way. So the book of Proverbs is God speaking to us about the fact that if you have my wisdom, if you have my insight, you will make it in life. You're not just going to get by, you're not just going to be successful, but you're going to be fruitful and you're going to be faithful because you're going to live out the purpose for which I created you. We understand that wisdom is not just uh, asking for advice. Wisdom 
is beyond saying to somebody, I need a tip. But wisdom is God. If I have godly wisdom, I have God. And the personification of wisdom is to be seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, in this part of chapter 8 uh, in Proverbs, uh, wisdom is being given to us in a very high level. I could say it's given to us in a kind of theological and philosophical manner because on last week we looked at wisdom in terms of its assets or the uh, rewards of wisdom. But today, this part of chapter 8 of Proverbs is speaking to us about wisdom's descriptions, wisdom descriptions, that which describes and gives a kind of definition or delineation of wisdom. And so the writer takes us back to creation. The writer takes us back to creation. Now, we're going to have to read a little scripture this morning uh, for you to really grasp in a very uh, powerful way uh, how rich this study is. And uh, you ought to bless God that uh, you're at a church where the Bible study is not McDonald's, but it is filet mignon. Amen. You ain't getting no shallow type of teaching. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, the focus is on God being monotheistic, or the faith of Israel is that of being monotheistic. Israel is moved from being a people of henotheistic, that is, the belief or the acknowledgement of several gods, plural, to being monotheistic, that there is only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And so in the Old Testament, then, most of the studies that you read there uh, speaks of God is just one God. You do not find much being said or noted about God in terms of the triune God, the God who's made himself known as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in the New Testament, we read much about God in terms of the Trinitarian aspect of God. We read and study about the Lord Jesus Christ. We read, we study about the Holy Spirit. So then we come to understand in the New Testament that God has made himself known as Father. He's made himself known as Son. And he's made himself known as Holy Spirit. And it is imperative that if you're going to be a strong man of God, a strong woman of God, you've got to have some spiritual insight and clarity as to who God is, the nature and the being of God, because the more you understand something about the nature and being of God, the more you come to understand something about who you are in Christ. Now, when you read in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, it says to us something about Jesus as it relates to the beginning, as it relates to creation. Listen to what we are told in John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Did you hear what I just read? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Therefore, John gives testament that Jesus is the eternal Logos. That he's the eternal Logos. That he was in the beginning when God created the world. See, God is self-existing and self-sustaining. God has no beginning nor ending of days. The Bible opens in Genesis in chapter 1 by saying, in the beginning... God. Ain't, ain't nobody before God. God is self-existing and self-sustaining. John in his gospel says Jesus, the Son of God, was with God in the beginning. Co-equal and co-existing and that he is the reason, Jesus Christ being God, he's the reason that everything exists as it does. Are you still with me? And that word did what? Became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus, the pre-existent Christ, then comes into the world as the incarnate Christ. So when we celebrate Christmas, that's why we cannot let the culture dupe us into just calling this a holiday. No, it's a holy day. Because we're celebrating not Santa Claus, not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty the Snowman. We're celebrating the Christ who came into the world that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Are you still with me? Now I have not left Proverbs chapter eight, but I gotta show you these scriptures so you can understand it when you see it in Proverbs chapter eight. Okay, now turn to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one, beginning with verse 15. He is the image, and he's, Paul is talking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, that is Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created 
through him, that is Jesus, and for him, that is Jesus. And he, that is Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he, that is Jesus, may have the preeminence. Did you hear what I just read? Jesus is the one who created the created world. By him all things were made and nothing exists without him. He is before all things. He is above all things. He is the head of the church. And he is to have the place of what? Preeminence. That means he is to have the place of first place in my life and in your life. If he's above the world that has been created, what would make you think he ain't above you? And if he's above the world that has been created and you are a part of that created world, why would you think that he ought to have some place less than first place in your life? And he is the head of the church. And the church is his body. Now, the church ain't this building. The church is you and I. At some point, we ought to quit disobeying the head. Because the body don't tell the head what to do. The head tells the body what to do. You tell your hand, pick this up. You tell your feet, take a step. Now, the next time your head tells your feet, take a step, and the feet talks back to your head and says, I ain't going to do it, that's the day you go see a psychologist. The day you tell your hand to pick up something and the hand won't do it, right? Either you got a mental problem or a physiological problem. You got a problem. The body don't tell the head. The head tells the body. Let me give you a prophetic word today. God says he wants his church back. Because church people have tried to run off with his church. And he wants his church back. Because the problem of the church today is that we're doing everything except what the head told us to do. And that's why you keep hearing me say, I'm praying for God to deliver you from being religious because you're going to fool around and make the mistake to think you're all right with him when you ain't. Because to be all right with him, he's got to have the place of preeminence. God ain't going to take no second seat. He won't, he won't be, uh, you know, your lover on the side. And he ain't going to allow you to be in, an affair, in a relationship with him and have sideline affairs. He wants to have the place of what? Preeminence. All right. All right. I have not left Proverbs chapter 8. See, Proverbs chapter 8, the verses we read this morning are verses that says wisdom caused creation to be. Proverbs chapter 8 is one passage in the Old Testament that is helping us to understand that while we are monotheistic, we believe in one God, that Proverbs chapter 8 is helping us understand that in the Old Testament, there can be an acknowledgement of Jesus and the Holy Ghost that we read about in the New Testament. 
but for you to catch it in Proverbs chapter 8, I got to show you some New Testament scriptures that takes you back to Proverbs chapter 8. So I read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I just read Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 uh, through 19. Now, if you turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, that's Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. He made the worlds. The world don't exist because of a Big Bang theory. The world don't exist because of some evolutionary process. No, God creates the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than angels and better than angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So the writer of Hebrews is saying that Jesus is the highest revelation that we have ever received from God. There's no revelation higher than Jesus. So that when I say to you, I have a revelation to give to you, I'm not giving you a new revelation that never existed before. I'm giving you a revelation from the word of God that the Holy Ghost has helped me to perceive so that I might make that deposit into your life. Anybody that starts talking about they got a revelation to give you that is outside of the Bible, they are a lie and the devil is too. Because there is no fifth gospel. There is no word higher than the word we have. Because Jesus is God's final word. Now y'all still with me? I'm doing some serious teaching today. Now I read to you the gospel of John chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. I read before you're hearing Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 19. I just read to you Hebrews chapter 1 down to about verses 4. So all three of those New Testament passages are passages that give us the insight that we don't live in an accidental world. You are not an accident. You are a man and a woman created in the image and likeness of God for the glory of God, which means you are created with purpose. Sin got you outside of the will of God, and when you're outside of the will of God, there's no way God's purpose is going to be fulfilled in your life. So the reason you ought to come here Sunday and tap this church is God brought you back in his will so his purpose can be fulfilled. And you can live at your best and at the highest level that God called you to live. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you one other. We're going to go right straight to Proverbs chapter 8. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to start reading with verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Now, if 
you are still looking for that in about another 60 seconds. I'm going to bring you down here, lay you at this altar, and pour oil on you until it's running down your toes. If you can't find Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, hallelujah. First book of the Bible, first chapter. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. See, he's speaking. He speaks creation into existence. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now everybody shout first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. Now, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 8. So when we start reading Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, through verse 36, particularly verse 22 through verse 31, the writer of Proverbs is talking about wisdom's involvement in creation. Wisdom's involvement in creation. Because now wisdom, again, is not a tip. Wisdom is not advice. Look, somebody said, Pastor's going to make me shout today. Wisdom is not a tip. Wisdom is not a, an advice. Wisdom is God. And the personification of God is who? Jesus. So now, if Jesus was in the beginning, before there was a when or a where or a here or a there, and if Jesus is the one who spoke, the world into existence and wisdom is Jesus then wisdom had to be there in the beginning with God when there was nothing else Amen. I'm pausing to let this sink in because last week when we looked at verses 
uh, 17 through 21, we was talking about wisdom's rewards. Because when you have the wisdom of God, you're going to be blessed. Not lucky, but blessed. Because God wants us to get beyond just having these nice church religious uh, uh, kind of statements. You know, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. And how many of, of you are saying that, but you don't know what it means? You don't have any biblical or uh, theological kind of grounding as to what you're talking about. I'm blessed, highly favored of the Lord. And what do you mean when you say that? We say the highest praise is hallelujah, hallelujah. And you practice saying it, hallelujah. But what good does to say it if you don't know what you mean when you say it? It's the highest praise, and it is. And you ought to give him a hallelujah. But God knows you ought to know what you mean when you say it. I'm trying to bless you today. Wisdom is God, Ron. And he's in the beginning with God. And so the, the writer is saying, why would you give more credibility to foolishness than you would to wisdom? Because foolishness was not with God in the beginning. And God ain't got nothing to do with foolishness. And you were not there with God in the beginning. So why would you think that your intellectualism is greater than God's wisdom? You got a PhD and... You graduated summa cum laude? Wonderful. I graduated, oh lordy. You'll get that on the way home. Why, why would we think we could elevate ourselves above the wisdom of God when the writer here says that wisdom was with God in antiquity? It was with God at the very outset. The writer says in, in verse uh, 22, the Lord possessed me at the beginning. Talking about wisdom. I have been established from everlasting. Verse 23, from the beginning before there was ever an earth. This is wisdom saying, I was there in antiquity. I want godly wisdom. And I want godly wisdom because godly wisdom existed when nothing else did. I, I want that which is so old that there's nothing that can happen now for which wisdom cannot address and give me the insight on how to handle it. And then when you read with verses 24 on through um, verse uh, thir uh, verse. Verse 30, all of those verses in Proverbs chapter 8 is describing how wisdom was there when nothing else existed and God began to speak it into existence. So the reason why I had us to read Genesis chapter 1, the first day, the second day, and the third day is to allow you to read again and to remember that the world in which we live just didn't pop into existence. 
God creates the world. God brings the world into reality. So there doesn't have to be an argument between theology and science. Science has its place, but science doesn't have the last word because science didn't have the first word. And so theologically, we can affirm the reality of God and the existence of God. And theologically, we can say that God is the source of all being that he is the sovereign creator of the world. And while I don't have to explain God and I don't have to explain how all that God brought into the world comes into existence because God creates something out of nothing, I can believe the word of God. And I thank God for his word and for the power of his word and I thank God that I'm not an accident either that I'm a part of this created existence, this world, this universe, the vastness of it. Galaxies beyond galaxies beyond galaxies. Other planets beyond Earth. Stars that you cannot number. Changing of seasons that you cannot explain. A snow that kills the grass. And yet the same snow that kills the grass will nurture the grass and cause the grass that it killed to come back to life. A sun that gets up every day and never late. A moon that comes up in the evening, nobody has to remind it to show up. A circulatory system, a respiratory system, a digestive system in our lives that is phenomenal. A brain, a mind that Apple cannot match. I, 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 I go outside, I go outside and it's cold, and I take my breath and I blow on my hands with my breath to warm my hands. It's cold outside. And I go outside and I take the breath in my body and I breathe on my hands to warm my hands. And then I come inside and I pick up a cup of coffee and with the same breath that I use to warm my hands, I take the same breath to cool my coffee. I am wonderfully and marvelously made. Only a God could have done that. And the writer of Proverbs in chapter 8, verses 22 through 30, is saying that it was wisdom that was there when God created the world and you and I in it. Verse 30, listen what it says. Then I was beside him, this is wisdom, then I was beside him as a master craftsman. So that we say wisdom is not advice, wisdom is not a tip, wisdom is God. And the personification of wisdom is to be seen in Jesus and yet wisdom is not God. 
Wisdom is not God, but wisdom is God. Yes. Because it is God who speaks wisdom. But wisdom is not God. Because God is greater than that. Wisdom says, I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight. Rejoicing always before him. Rejoicing in his inhabited world. And my delight was with the sons of men. Wisdom says, I took delight in what God did. Genesis says, every time God created, he looks at it. And what does God say? It's good. That was God's assessment. It's good. Amen. And when God created you and I, he didn't create no mistake. I'm going to say it again. When God created you and I, he didn't make no mistake. And while sin damaged, scarred, tainted the Omega Dei, because we were created in the image and likeness of God, and while the image was scarred in Christ, God has restored the image you're missing your place to shout. I'm going to tell you again, on Christmas morning, what you ought to celebrate is that you have been restored. That the image has been cleaned up. That you can have a personal relationship with God. And again, that's why I'm asking God to deliver us from religion. Because religion ain't going to get you to the place where you understand it's all about your relationship with God. It ain't about what you have. It's about who you know. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will stand forever. Amen. So now, look at verse 32. Now therefore, listen to me, my children. For blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. This is a beatitude. You know how you read the beatitudes in, in the Gospel of Matthew? And Jesus went up into a hill and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall receive, right? The beatitudes. Well, this is an Old Testament beatitude. Wisdom is saying what? Blessed, right? Now, I told you a while ago, we tell people, I'm blessed, highly favored of the Lord. Brother Hurt, blessed. That does not mean I drive a Bentley. Blessed does not mean I live in a mansion. Blessed does not mean that I'm a multimillionaire. Blessed means I'm whole. Blessed means I ain't broken no more. Blessed means I ain't living fragmented no more. 
Blessed means I ain't living beneath my potential no more. Blessed means I understand who I am in God. Blessed means I know the means to live with the presence of the Holy Ghost in me. Blessed means that I have a joy that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. Blessed means I'm not happy, I am joyful because happiness is based on happenings and I can have hell going on all around me and still have joy on the inside. Blessed means I have shalom. Shalom is the word for peace and peace means I'm whole. Peace means I'm all together. My body, mind, and spirit have come into a holy oneness. Wisdom says you receive me and you're going to be blessed. For blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Now underscore that word disdain. Because see, disdain means this. God is giving us what? Godly wisdom. Come on, listen to pastor at least one day this year. We're in Bible study. We're in Bible study. I'm teaching the word. The writer of Proverbs says, you don't study the word just to study or just to hear. You study the word because you're going to adhere to what you studied. You're going to obey what you have received. You're going to put into practice what God has deposited in your life. Discipleship ultimately, discipleship, Teresa, means I become a follower of Jesus Christ. You can't say you love Jesus and then don't follow him. I read this scripture one day at home many years ago, many years ago. You know, you know how you some, sometimes you sit down and just read the Bible? You know, just read. You say, I'm going to sit down and read the Bible today. And I sat down and I was reading the Bible that day and I came across that scripture in, I think, the Gospel of John where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And Ronnie, I just couldn't get no farther after I read that. And I sat there and I just kept kind of reading it over and over again. If you love me, keep my commandments. It got to the point as though it looked like Jesus was sitting in the room with me. And I could hear him talking to me. It's like he was looking at me saying, Walter, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I thought about the fact that I had let him down so many times. I had let him down so many ways. And it just began to dawn on me that it wasn't enough to give him lip service. I just can't say, Jesus, I love you, and then be disobedient. If I love him, I have to be what? Obedient, right? So, so when God gives us a beatitude, when wisdom says, you follow me, I bless you, don't disdain, don't hear it and drop it, but do something with it, obey him. Verse 34 says, blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. You have to want 
wisdom. You have to pursue it. You have to strive for it. It's like waiting at the gates. It's like watching. God, I want to get this. I want to get this. Come on, praise God that you're at Bible study this morning. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. It may seem a light thing to you, but baby, it ain't light. Because your being here and my being here, if we're here for the right reason, is because you're saying to God, I really want more of you, God. I want your wisdom. I want your spirit. So I came to Bible study because I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. Come on, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. Amen. You ought to strive for it. You ought to want it. And that's why I'm telling you, you ought to bring others with you. Yeah. It ain't a numbers game. I don't need a crowd of people for me to teach. I can teach with four of y'all sitting in here. But the reason why all of us ought to bring someone and we ought to want to see this place running over all the way around. And, and every week you ought to be saying, God, use me to help save somebody. Is because if you have tasted of the Lord and you know he's good, why wouldn't you want somebody else to taste it and come to know of him? When I read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I have yet, I have yet to read about anybody who came to know Jesus who didn't want somebody else to meet him. Amen. We want others to experience what we are experiencing ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Then verse 35 and 36, we're through. For whoever finds me, that's wisdom, finds what? Life. Whoever finds me finds what? Life. What does Jesus say in John 10 and 10? He says, the thief cometh not, but to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Ron, this is what Jesus says, I've come that they may have what? Life and have it more abundantly. What does wisdom say? You find me, you find what? Life. Wisdom is not a tip, it ain't advice. Wisdom is God. You find wisdom, you find God, you find God, you have Jesus, you have Jesus, you have the abundant life. And there's a difference, beloved, between existing and living. Anybody can exist, but you gotta learn how to live. Jesus came that you might have the abundant life and also that you might have what? Life eternal. And not only does it find me, you find life, and obtains favor from the Lord. Cynthia, I ain't talking to nobody else but you right now. Cynthia, shout with me favor. Yeah. Cynthia, if you got God's wisdom, you're going to have favor. <laughs> Cynthia, favor can get you what money can't buy you. <laughs> Favor can open doors that you didn't think could be open. Favor will show you doors that you didn't know existed. Favor will make people come help you that ain't kin to you. Must I continue? People talking about, I have a problem with favor. Well, that's your problem. 
I ain't got no problem with favor. Because baby, everything I got, I got it by favor. Which is just to say, I got it through God. And God gave me favor. Because when you follow wisdom, Brother Lanier, you're going to experience favor. And you experience favor because you're now living within the context of the will of God. Lord, I thank you for this study today. Woo! Mm, mm, mm. Verse 36. But he who sins against me, the person who rejects wisdom, wrongs his own soul. You hurt yourself. All those who hate me love death. The sin pays. It does. Sin pays. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. When you reject God, when you disobey God, when you refuse to give him glory, honor, and praise, God ain't got to do nothing to get you. God will just step back and let you do your thing, let you have your way, and you'll kill yourself. You'll destroy yourself because the life you're living is going to lead to death. And all of us, again, ought to thank God that there was a time when we was on a road that was leading to death. Don't you fool yourself. You ain't always been saved. Somebody said, Pastor, I've always been in the church. Yeah, but the church ain't always been in you. You were on the path of destruction. You didn't find Jesus. He wasn't lost. He found you, met you where you were, but wouldn't leave you where he found you. And he gave you the gift of salvation. Praise be to God. Thank God I got life, I got favor, and I don't have death. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.